Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. The Bible instructs us to, to fix our thoughts on heaven, to, to, to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Let, let's just, just take a moment right now and imagine see Christ in all of his glory sitting on the throne ruling all in his rightful place let's just not think about it or let's just not sing about it let's, 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 let's give it real estate in our mind this morning that same Christ that rules all the same Christ that's over all the same Jesus that's sitting on a throne right now wants to be right here with you through the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of Christ wants to encounter you to bring peace to your lives, to bring healing to your bodies, to to take those thoughts captive that have been plaguing you, to bring joy to depression, to exchange beauty for ashes. Holy Spirit, I ask that you do what your, your word says you will do. Jesus said where two or three are gathered together and my name I am there you are here so do your work Lord we recognize that we can do nothing without you that we are nothing without you but Lord in you we bear much fruit through you we bear much fruit so Holy Spirit have your way have your way today anoint me to deliver your word Let me say no more, no less than what you told me to say. And God, I pray, Lord, if if you don't breathe on this, God, it's just going to be words. But Holy Spirit, if you breathe on it, it can transform. Oh, we need you, Holy Ghost. We need you, God. Oh, we need an encounter with you. You're here. Let us not walk out of this room today and say, I didn't feel God, because you're here. You're here. Do what only you can do. I pray, Holy Ghost. I need you. I need you. Lord, help me not cower away from the word you've given me, but help me to rise up in boldness to preach it the way you told me to preach it. Oh, Holy Ghost, anoint me to say what I need to say, to do what I need to do so that your people can be thoroughly informed of your word and thoroughly equipped with your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray and ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. We're in week four of a series called Ghosted, a study on the Holy Spirit. And last week, 
we talked about kind of a, a practical way of what it means to walk with the Spirit. And we talked about how we just got to lean into the promises of God instead of making promises to God. And how when we lean in and we trust who God is, that he makes a way. That we don't have to worry about making a way. He makes a way. And I kind of want to build off of that idea of along the way. Because, yes, the Holy Spirit makes a way along the way. Then leads the way to Jesus, to the way. But how does he do it? And there is a section of scripture in Galatians chapter 5. We could all probably say the end of it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's one of the things we memorize as a child. And we kind of let it stay right there. We could quote the fruit of the Spirit. But when you, like, do we really give thought to what it means to, to that phrase, the fruit of the Spirit? And so I want to look at a section of scripture surrounding that to give context and also what Paul is trying to establish to the Galatians. Now, the book of Galatians is a whole book about how Paul is saying, don't live by making promises to God and trying to keep the law. Um, the first part of Romans and Galatians, in fact, I had a, a class in college called Romans and Galatians because those two books are so closely tied together. But the book of Galatians is a, a book about living by the power of the Spirit, resting in the Holy Spirit, that you're not obligated to fulfill the law because Christ fulfilled it for you. So, he, we get to chapter 5, and this section, in most Bibles would probably say, Life by the Spirit. I titled my, my message today is, This is Living Now. This is Living Now. This is living now. This is what it means to live by the Spirit. So we, we start off in verse 16. I'm reading the New Living Translation. But a lot of translations would say, it says, so walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Walk in step. Now I've gone on a lot of walks with my kids. And um, if you don't walk in step, or, or constantly remind my son to, hey, no, no, over here, bub. He's like, you start off going in the same direction, and you're going this way, and then suddenly he's like, oh, look at that. There's a drain. Oh, there's a piece of gum stuck to the concrete. Hey, Dad, there's gum over here. You know, like, but you have to, I have to constantly say, no, no, son. Hey, give me your hand. Give me your hand. Give me your hand. But really, that's walking in step with the Spirit. But long story short, it says, so, so I say, I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to get into it. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't do, be doing what your sinful nature wants to crave. Some translations say, walk in step with the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You walk in step with the Spirit, then you won't sin. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. The reality is, there's two ways to walk in this world. 
You're either walking with the Spirit of God or you're walking in your flesh. That's it. That's it. There's, there's not a gray area here. There's one or the other. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Now, that's kind of interesting that he threw this scripture right there in the middle because you remember he's building this whole case of how the church is not obligated to fulfill the law because we're under Christ, a new covenant. And he says, when you walk with the Spirit, you aren't obligated to the law. So what is the law of Moses? we got to answer. Go, can you go back to scripture real quick? What is the law of Moses? The law of Moses is the do's and don'ts of the Old Testament that God gave his people to live righteously. But the problem is not one person can do it. You can't do it. And if you violate one law, you're, you're guilty of violating all the law. You're just as guilty. I'm not saying if you violate one law, you should be like, well, I might as well go all in. No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is if you try to keep rules to gain righteousness, then you are obligated to try to keep all the rules to gain righteousness. But when you're in Christ, Christ kept the rules and the law of God perfectly. So when you walk in step with the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, you naturally keep the laws. You, you, don't, you don't walk in violation to them because you don't have a desire to. God gives you a new nature. The Bible says we who are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So that's why there's conflict, because in you, there is a spirit of the living God changing you to be like Christ over time. But this body is riddled. It still craves and desires sin. It does. And is constantly a, a, a battle with the spirit in you. That's why when you sin, you feel awful. You're like, oh, man. I can't believe I did that. Oh, gosh, it just eats you up inside. Know why it eats you up inside? Because that sin is in direct conflict with the spirit living in you. Before you got saved, that sin did not bother you because you were a sinner. But when you came to Christ, Christ changed you as a person. And until we die, we have to deal with sin. This body's riddled with sin. And the reason why I know that is because I still get older and I'm dying slowly over time. And the wages of sin is death. The result of sin is death. So the fact that this body's dying is proof that it's riddled with sin. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, some translations read it, the works of of the flesh are obvious. The works of the flesh are obvious. Here it says desires. It's the same word in, in Greek that is used. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's saying, I'm going to give you kind of a, a, a COVID test. I was going to say litmus test, but COVID is way more relevant right now. 
This is a swab that they stick in your nose to scratch your brain stem. And, but this is, this is Paul's COVID test for spiritual living. He said, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I, I love this. I love it. Because he referenced the law. He said, if you walk in step with the Spirit, you're not obligated to the law of Moses. And then he says, and as the Holy Spirit produces these fruits, there's not a law. in like This is the overflow of a Christian life. Okay, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't want that to lose its impact, but that's the fruit of the Spirit, and I say it fast. It's all of them. But he says, against such things, there is no law. There's not a law in God saying, no, don't, you can't be too loving, or you can't be too kind, you can't be too self-controlled. He said, there's not a law. When you, when you let the Holy Spirit produce these in you, man, there's not a law the enemy can bring against you. Because that's what the enemy does. He's the accuser of, of, of the church. He comes at us and he accuses us of every violation to the perfect, beautiful law of God. And he says, but if you just walk with the Spirit, the enemy has no accusation against you because the Spirit produces things that the law can say nothing about. Then he says in verse 24, those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Those who belong to Christ have nailed. This is our part. We nail. The Holy Spirit produces fruit, but we nail the passions and the desires of our sinful nature to the cross. And then in verse 25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every step of our life. Some um, translations say, since we walk in, since we live by the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Spirit. I want us to get this walk in step. Follow. Let Him lead. Okay? I want us to capture what Paul's saying here. We can't overemphasize this. We walk in step. We, we follow His leading. It's, it's this beautiful thing. And then the last verse that we're going to hit. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous to one of one another. Why do you throw that on in the end? We're going to get to that. So I want, I want us to get something real quick because there's a compare and contrast here between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And the word here for works is ergon. That which one undertakes to do, enterprise undertaking. So the works of the flesh is something we do. Your natural state, apart from Christ, is the works of the flesh. Even your natural state, when you're in Christ, left alone, not following the Holy Spirit, is sexual immorality, pride, um, envy, jealousy, bitterness. All the things that he just listed here. That's who you are apart from Christ. Like, I really was thinking about this. Because Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. From the moment we are conceived, we're conceived in sin. That's our nature. And Paul here straight says, it's always a battle with the Spirit in us. 
always. How do you know you're walking in the flesh? You try to do things on your own to get to God. You try to produce something. Work, like The word there for work is an undertaking. You start undertaking it. You start undertaking your walk. It's my responsibility to walk with God. That's not what the Bible says. Literally, Paul here is saying that God gives us the spirit to battle our flesh because you and I are powerless against the flesh. I don't care how much you can white knuckle. Oh, I'm not going to give in. I'm not, you're going to give in to temptation. I don't care. But the spirit in you can overcome that. He literally gives us the Holy Spirit to battle the works of our flesh. So the word here for fruit, carpos, that which originates or comes from something, an effect or a result. You can't produce the fruit of the Spirit. The enemy can't produce the fruit of the Spirit. You might be able to give some sort of, and I can't produce the fruit of the Spirit. I've got to throw myself in here too. If I'm going to stop on toes, it's going to be mine first, okay? Um, but we can't produce this. Our flesh can't produce this. Yeah, we could be kind to an extent because we're created into the image of God. It's a, it's, a, it's a pale representation of what the Holy Spirit's doing, but the fruit, carpos, originates from something else externally. So the fruit of the Spirit comes from the Spirit, and the works of the flesh come from us. And it's that war. But God Jesus says, I'm going to give you a helper, a comforter, an advocate. He comes along and says, I'm going to fight your flesh for you. And all you have to do is walk. Wow. Wow. So I, I, want, to, I want to give you just a couple thoughts. And the reality is this is something we don't talk about. As, as Pentecostals, we, 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 we kind of get the, the nuances of the gifts of the Spirit and the moving of the Spirit, and we get all this, but we very seldom talking about the walk of the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. We don't talk about that a lot. But the, I would argue this is probably the most important work of the Spirit in us because it's the walk of the Spirit that overcomes the flesh in us. Because, gosh, man, there are people... There are people that speak in tongues, and sometimes we equate speaking in tongues to a work of the Spirit or walking with the Spirit, and that's not true. Sometimes we think giftings of the Spirit is equating to walking with the Spirit, but the reality is those are gifts, and people can be struggling with sin and be used in the gifts. They're, 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 I was reading this week about how this guy heard the gospel from an atheist. He was, he was at a... He was at a college, and this atheist that doesn't even believe in God shared the gospel because it was kind of like an open forum debate type of thing, and this guy got saved. That atheist wasn't anointed. He doesn't even believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but the Word of God is anointed, and the Word of God penetrates hearts. And what I'm getting at is sometimes we equate a moving or a, a, a gifting or something like that. Oh, man, that person must be walking with the Spirit. That could, be far, that could be the farthest thing from the truth. A walking, to put it simply, walking in step with the Spirit is obeying Him. 
There are whole books on theology and everything like that about we overcomplicate. Like if I said walking in step with the Holy Spirit, every one of us have has an opinion. Or or maybe we're new and we don't have an opinion. Like I don't have an opinion on all this. But some of us have baggage hearing that statement. Some of us like I've gone through whole classes talking about what does it mean to walk in step with the Spirit? The reality, all it is, is obeying. You get your marching orders from the Spirit. Like, if you want to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, it's 100% surrendering your will to God. You hold no opinion. God doesn't need your help. He doesn't, he doesn't need your opinion. He doesn't need anything from you, but he wants to use you, and he wants to use me. But when we walk in step with the Holy Spirit, we don't say, oh, God, uh, but I think, God's like, I didn't ask you what you thought. I told you to do something. That's walking in step with the Spirit. It's obedience. You get your marching orders from him. It says, follow the Spirit. He didn't say, come walk beside me. You don't walk in step beside someone. You walk in step behind someone. He leads. You follow. It's obedience to the Spirit. That's essentially what walking in step with the Spirit is. And the fruit of the Spirit overflows from that obedience. And I think this is some of the most important work of the Holy Spirit in the Christian's life. But we so get caught up, and we're going to talk about, we're, we're going to talk about the, the, the gifts of the Spirit next week. And we don't, we don't need to shy away from them, because God is a supernatural God, and we need the gifts of the Spirit. They're gifts. They're good. They're for us. But if we want to walk fully in the Spirit and be used by God fully and, and to grab a hold of everything he has for us, we've got to be obedient. We've got to walk. And so the first thought I want to give you about this is it's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey along the way. You've got to start somewhere. But it's a journey. You walk. You walk with God. And here's the thing. With, with the walk with God, it's never actually about the destination. Because this side of heaven will never arrive. You and I will never arrive. We'll never get to the point where our, our walk with God is like, oh, yeah, I've arrived. Look at all these other sinners. You know, like... It, it's this side of heaven. It's a journey. And all of us are on the same journey. Some of us are further along. Some of us aren't. But the reality is this journey lasts forever. You, like, we don't actually arrive upon death. We actually just take another step of the journey. Our, our, our salvation in Christ is justification at the beginning. He fully makes us righteous and fully forgives our sin when we confess Christ as our Lord and Savior. And then he sanctifies us. That's the walk. It's, it's the act of the Holy Spirit that, that he makes us like Jesus over time. But then it's glorification. That's when we get our new bodies upon death or when he comes back and raptures his church. The three steps of your salvation is justification, sanctification, and glorification. Then you're fully saved. You're fully righteous right now. Don't get me wrong. You have full right standing with God. But when you die, you get that new body 
Praise the Lord. How many of you guys have ever had joint pain? I'm, I'm experiencing it right now on my shoulder right there. So I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm only 33. I'm like, gosh. All right, let's go. But we get a new body. But even at that, we have an omniscient, omniscient all-knowing God, an all-powerful God, an omnipresent God. And we could spend all of eternity basking in all of his glory, asking him all of questions, and we'll only ever scratch the surface of who God is. We'll never understand God. I once heard a philosophical question in my philosophy class in college, and it says, say you have a library that has an infinite number of red books and an infinite number of blue books, and you check out all the blue books, how many books do you have left? An infinite number. Like, whoa, you just removed half the books, though. How can you still, still have an infinite number? And that's how God is. You take, you take and just walk with him. And even in eternity, we walk with him and we bask in him, we focus on him, and we follow him. Because it's a journey, and you'll never arrive And if you think you've arrived, man, you need to guard yourself. You need to guard yourself real good and say, God, forgive me of pride. If you think that you're not struggling with sin, you're actually in violation of the word of God that says, in 1 John, it says, if you say you do not sin, you lie and do not practice the truth. John says that about Christians. It's a journey. And along the way, you don't need to beat yourself up. If you fall, you need to pick yourself up and keep walking. And because the cool thing about picking yourself up in their faith is God's right there going, come on. My son, when we walk, he fell the other day and I just stopped. We're still on the journey, but he's looking at his knee, making sure he was okay. I said, come on, bub. I picked him up. Walked with him. And at one point, he said, Dad, I'm tired. So I put him on my shoulders. I carried him. God does that to us. He walks with us. Sometimes he has to carry us. But it's a journey. The, the worst thing you could think you could do is coast. You think you can stop. You're either walking with God and step with God, or you're walking in your flesh. And really all walking in the flesh is saying, God, I don't need your counsel. I'm going to do it my way. Like, everything that we just read here in, in 19 through 21, um, sexual immorality, impurity, sinful, uh, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, dis- division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That, that really boils back down to me. I want what I want. And you quit consulting God. You quit saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want? And that's walking in the flesh. I'm going to walk my way. I don't need you. That's, that's walking in the flesh. But this side of heaven, walking in the spirit, it's a journey. It's a walk. Sometimes it's a sprint, and you're clipping along, and God's opening door after opening door after opening door, and you're just, yes, and you're just in full sprint mode. Other times it's baby steps. 
what I've discovered is um, there will be seasons of your life, okay? Towards the end of a season, you have a pretty good gait. And you're like, you're kind of used to this season. And you're walking with God and you discover it. And then he breaks you through a barrier in your life. He breaks you through a ceiling in your life. And you step into a deeper understanding, a deeper revelation, a deeper something with God. And, and suddenly you're back to baby steps. And you're like, oh, I miss, I miss those huge strides in my walk with God. And you're back to baby steps. But what you don't understand is when, when you get to that new level in your relationship with God, those baby steps are bigger than any stride in your previous season. But it's a walk. It's a journey. It's a journey. And then the second thing I really started thinking about this week that we need to grab hold of is bad soil is good soil when the Holy Spirit's producing fruit. Bad soil is good soil. Talking about fruit, well, let's think about it. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our natural state is, let's read it real quick. And this is not an all-inclusive list. He says other sins. But our natural state is sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That's who we are apart from Christ. That's what we produce apart from Christ. The works of this flesh produce that kind of behavior. It might not be um, so overt. Sometimes those things can be very covert in our lives, and no one even knows about them. They're very, they're very hidden, but that's what this sinful bag of bones produces. But the Holy Spirit produces something else, and we know that. But that's the soil. That, that's the soil, sexual immorality, impurity, that the gospel grows in. So the next time you see a drug addict, the next time you see someone that's a, 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 a worker of the night, next time you see, uh, you know, like, next time you see someone struggling in sin that's so far lost, think this way. That's good soil to the Holy Spirit. That's amazing soil. What I've discovered about planting is seeds grow best in crap. <gasps> Did he just say that? I'm not coming back next Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. I almost said there's a door, but that would be rude. Um, seed grows best. That's, why, that's literally why nurseries sell manure to put on your garden. Think about that. It grows best. And... This is junk. This is junk right here. Like, I, I, this is junk. This will destroy you, sexual immorality and purity. That is junk. That, that list is crap. That will destroy your life. But the gospel, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a seed. It grows. It grows best in those moments, in, the, in that type of soil, in that type of situation, in that type of environment. That, that, we got to grab a hold of this because some of us, we, we, in our walk, we, we wrestle with this. 
the flesh is constantly pounding against us, and the Holy Spirit steps in, but I produce this. I produce this only by the work of the Holy Spirit that we can overcome the flesh. But we beat ourselves up when, when if, if, we, if, we, if we sin. But that's opportunity for the gospel to grow. That's opportunity for, for God to show you, you know, I'm a God of mercy. I'm a God of grace. That's opportunity. So don't beat yourself up. Pick yourself up. And walk. Don't stop. Well, I can't get this. Don't stop. Keep walking. Keep going. Because the gospel grows best. Bad soil, what we think is bad soil, God says that's beautiful soil for my gospel to grow. And it changes the way we look at people. It's usually the people... In my opinion, the people that think they have it all together already are the hardest people to reach. But the people that, that know that they're messed up, know that they have issues, know that they, those are the people that are ready for the gospel. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy. But in our mind, we have it reversed and we have it flipped. We think, oh, that person has it together so the gospel can hit them. Not to say that God can't move in their lives, but I find it that People who think they already have their stuff together, they're the hardest people to reach because they don't think they need God. But people who, who are caught up in this stuff, they realize, man, I'm so messed up already, but I keep going back to this because that's all I know. And the, and the Holy Spirit's like, oh, just plant my seed. Oh, plant the gospel. Oh, just share Jesus with them and see what I do because the Holy Spirit is an act of God that produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It's an external force because all they can do on their own is produce the works of the flesh. But man, when you give, when you plant that seed of the gospel, the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. You start telling them about how Jesus loves them and died for them. Man, the gospel comes alive. And you know what? It's not an overnight process. It's not like, oh, you know what? I'm, a, I'm just going to lay it all down right now and never deal with it again. That's not how this works. It's a journey. It's a journey. It's a walk with God. It's a walk. We walk in step with the Holy Ghost. Bad soil is good soil when the Holy Spirit's producing the fruit. And the last thing we got to grab a hold of, building right off of that. Verse 24. I'm going to read it real quick. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to the cross and have crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us walk in step with the leading of the Spirit in every part of our lives. So the last thought I want to give you is keep walking and keep nailing. Keep walking and keep nailing. Keep walking and keep nailing. Someone needs to grab a hold of this. Because here's the thing, you can nail the passions and the desires. Paul says this is true. If you're in Christ, you have nailed, when you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, you have nailed your, the, the sinful nature to the cross of Christ. But that doesn't mean it doesn't try to get off. And if you think that it doesn't, then I, I don't know what you're taking. I don't know what, I, I, I just, come talk to me. I want to learn your secrets. Because the reality is your flesh will always try to climb off that cross. And it's going to try to, and what it does when it climbs off that cross, 
it, it, it's so subtle, but it comes alongside you, and it doesn't, it doesn't, sometimes it might just fall at your feet and then make you trip, and then you're like, oh, I sinned. But what I find is a lot of times it, it actually just tries to, you know, if, if the Holy Spirit's going this way, it just wants us to get off a little bit. And it, it wants us to start thinking that we're more important than what we are. It wants us to start thinking our opinion actually matters to God. It wants us to start thinking like God needs our input and in how we should live our lives instead of just following his leadership, instead of just listening to his word, instead of walking in step with him. He's, it, it, it wants you to think something. And, and we gotta, we got to let the Holy Spirit lead us. And saying, you know, no, 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 you will not lead me away from that. I'm going to nail you right back to the cross. So, and, and it might be, uh, it might be very overt. It might just say, um, fall and, and literally make you sin. It might, I might try to trap you, whatever it does. But the reality is, we keep nailing our flesh to the cross. We make ourselves a living sacrifice, and we walk in step with the Spirit. We obey Him. We obey Him. He calls the shots. He calls the shots. We obey Christ and the Holy Spirit. Ben, if you would. We got to grab a hold of this church. It's not about speaking in tongues. It's not about all the gifts. That's part of it. But the most important thing is we just obey the Holy Spirit. We lay ourselves down. Paul says in Romans 12, we make ourselves a living sacrifice, pure and holy and pleasing to God. We keep walking and we keep nailing our flesh to the cross. God, I want what you want. God, I lay down my will. I lay down my desires. I lay down my preferences. God, I want what you want. Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Lead me, guide me. Oh, use me for your glory and your kingdom. Holy Spirit, I'm yours. I once heard a missionary put it this way. He said, I pray, God, I'm cash in your hands. Spin me where you want me to be spent. Keep walking. And when that flesh tries to come off the cross, you know what? The cool thing is Jesus already provided nails. You keep nailing it. You keep nailing it to the cross. You, there's not going to be a point in your life where you don't have to nail your flesh to the cross. So don't beat yourself up. You keep walking. You keep nailing. Maybe you're here and you say, well, I don't really struggle with all that. I've never had those issues. The cool thing is the Holy Spirit loves you so much, he actually put a verse right here in the end for you, too. I'm going to read it real quick. It says, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Mm. Sometimes it really is a walk. What, What I've discovered in my walk is it's just passing thoughts and it could look different for you but just this week looking back and I, I, I was so stuck on this message I couldn't wrap my mind of what I wanted and I, I just kept praying and praying 
And so I, I was texting a scripture verse to a friend of mine. And as I was typing it out, this thought went through my head. And the Lord told me to walk downtown and go pray for, um, oh, what's that place called? It's where First Baptist used to be. It's like Mule, Mule House. Thank you. I feel like the Lord told me to go pray that God would send revival to Mule House, which is just a venue for like country music stars and stuff like that now, which is cool. I mean, it's at least it's being used, I guess. And like, but a church was meeting there this last Sunday. And um, I'm like, well, okay, God. I'm stuck, so I just got up. And Mule House is across from the public library, which is a different route that I normally walk. So I'm just walking, and I'm praying. And I bump into this dude, and I saw him, and the Lord's like, pray with him. I'm like, okay. And I'm downtown at a time that I'm normally not downtown. It's either earlier in the morning or it's right before I go home. And I bump into this guy, and he's like, dude, I... I said, can I pray with you? He's like, dude, you have no idea how timely this is. My family desperately needs prayer. I just, I don't want to go into it, but I said, all right. So I just prayed with him and just told him that God loves you. He cares for you. And uh, got to share the gospel. And I kept walking. And then I walked up to Mule House and I didn't expect anything. I was just going to kind of go lay hands on it and say, Lord, send revival. I didn't know that's all he told me to do. This is that passing thought. And there was a guy painting outside. I said, dude, you do really good work. I just complimented because, man, that guy was hitting that trim just right. And I was like, wow, you do really good work. And he's like, dude, have you seen inside? I'm like, I get to go inside? He's like, dude, yeah, just walk through the side door. And so I walked in. And it is beautiful. But I got to see a glimpse of hundreds of seats and I started praying God send revival to this town through whatever church meets here just send your spirit down because we need you and I feel like the Lord said when you walk with me I'll get you in places that you shouldn't be allowed to go and someone needs to hear that because they feel like Man, doors are shutting, doors are shutting, doors are shutting. But when you walk with God, he'll open the right doors at the right time for you. I had no business being in there. There are contractors in the back remodeling the entrance. There's a guy working on the computer, and here I am just walking through it praying. No one even said anything to me. And then on the way back, I'm standing at the corner, at a corner I never stand at. And I see this guy walk up, and he said, the Lord said, pray with him. I'm like, okay. I said, can I pray with you? He said, dude, my, my marriage needs prayer. And he started crying. I got to pray with him. He said, thank you so much. You have no idea how much this means, the fact that God loves me enough to send you. And I say all this to say, <sighs> it looks different for different people. But when God tells you to do something, just do it. That's walking in step with the Spirit. I'm not saying this to like, oh, our pastor's awesome. I don't care what you think about me. 
my job is to do what God tells me to do. And hopefully along the way, get us fired up about the gospel so that we walk in step with the Spirit and see the doors that God opens and see the people that get saved. It's so simple. I'm going to read you something. This hit me so hard this week. But as you guys probably have heard, I'm going to, if you haven't, every one of Jesus' disciples, minus John, died a martyr's death. They tried to kill John. They stoned him. They boiled him alive. Then they exiled him on an island for years. And he was the only apostle that ended up dying a, as an old person. But, you know, most of the apostles, they walked with God. Actually, all of them did. And all of them but John died a martyr's death because of what they saw Jesus, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, because they walked in step with the Holy Spirit. Like walking in step with the Holy Spirit led to their death. Well, that's encouraging. You want to end on that note? Yeah. Because I want you to understand the magnitude of the gospel. It's something worth dying for. It's something worth being awkward over. It's something that could change lives. The, they wouldn't renounce Christ. Peter got crucified upside down. Um, James, one of them got thrown off. The brother of Christ got thrown off the temple. And, and then he didn't die. The same pinnacle that, they, that Satan brought Jesus to to be tempted, they, they brought... Um, James, the brother of Christ, and threw him off the temple, and he didn't die, so they turned around and beat him to death. And then James, John's brother, what Jesus, James, the, the son of th thunder, the son of Zebedee. I want to read you his account. Because this is what walking with the Spirit, when we walk with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the COVID test of your faith. If that's being produced in you, you know you're walking with the Holy Spirit. But this is the type of life when we go all in with the ghost, when we go all in with the Holy Spirit, when we go all in, this is the type of life that can happen from walking with the Spirit. It says, James, the son of Zebedee, was a fisherman by trade. Jesus called him to a lifetime of ministry. As a strong leader in, of the church, James was beheaded at Jerusalem. Listen. The Roman officer who guarded James watched amazed as James defended his faith at his trial. Later, the officer walked beside James to the place of execution. Overcome. Overcome by conviction, he declared his new faith to the judge and knelt beside James to accept beheading as a Christian. Think about that. Because James walked in step with the Spirit. Man, I read that and I thought, God, where's my walk? Is my walk in such a way that people would kneel down beside me and say, I want to serve Jesus even if it means death. That's what James, that's how he lived. 
the fruit of the Spirit was so evident in his life that it grabbed a hold of this officer, this pagan, and he said, I'm going to die for my faith because I saw another man live it. Where are we at? It's not a mixture of walking in step with me and walking in step with the Spirit. Church, we got to go all in. We got to go all in with this. If we want to see Christ return in our generation, He's not coming back until all nations, all peoples hear the gospel. And we can't be nonchalant about this. It's a non, non-negotiable. We walk in step with the Spirit and we keep nailing our flesh to the cross. And as we do this, let me tell you, the people around you will see it and get saved. As we do this, the boldness will rise up in you because the Holy Spirit will say, go talk to that person. Message that person. Call that person. Just do it. Just do it. That's what walking in step with the Spirit is. It's simple obedience. What we always do is Oh, that's my thoughts. That, I, that, that can't be the Spirit. That's me. Because the Holy Spirit would never make me uncomfortable, right? He would never make a conversation awkward, right? I can tell you, other than every other word that comes out of my mouth that makes everything awkward, the guaranteed way to make something awkward is mention Jesus in conversation. But it's also a guaranteed way to change someone's eternity. When you start talking about the gospel it takes faith to walk in step you just got to believe God God you're going to do what you said you're going to do and so I'm going to do it it's not on you to produce the results of your obedience that's the Holy Spirit it's on you to walk in step with the Spirit and nail your flesh to the cross keep walking and keep nailing Keep walking and keep nailing. I almost brought up my treadmill from home and put it right here and walked the whole time, but I figured I'd walk back and forth on the stage and said, it's several hundred pounds. You keep walking and you keep nailing. You keep walking and you keep nailing. And as you do, man, as you go all in with the Holy Spirit, as you go all in and say, God, I'm yours. Every preference I lay at your feet, my will, I lay at your feet. I'm yours to do what you want. Spin me where you want me. You're going to start seeing answered prayer. You're going to start seeing lost loved ones come to faith. You're going to start seeing a change in your own attitude. You're going to start seeing new perspectives. When you used to say, I don't know how this is going to change, you're going to start speaking to things. God, your word says this. And I preach to the Spirit, fulfill your covenant. You're going to start preaching to the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and the, the Holy Spirit's going to start doing things. As you walk in step with the Spirit, He's going to raise up a boldness in you. He's going to raise up, and He's going to start, you know, you're going to start being more loving, more kind. All the fruit that comes along with what the Holy Spirit does, it's just going to overflow. But it's walking. Keep walking and keep nailing. Keep walking and keep nailing. What I want us to do today in response to this, because this this is not really a message to, to, to respond to in prayer. 
It's a message to respond to in life. We can come up here and bawl our eyes out emotionally because, man, something touched me. And then walk out of here the same way. Or we can decide in our heart, I'm going to surrender every part of me to God and I'm going to nail the parts that don't want to to the cross. And you might have to do it every hour on the hour. You might have to do it every five minutes. <laughs> but it's keep walking and keep nailing. What I want to do in, re- in response today, though, is I want to take communion. I want to take communion. Because it's the, ho- the Holy Spirit is a gift from Christ. He not only bought our salvation through his death and resurrection, but then he sent us the Spirit. So as we, as we take communion together, let us thank Christ for sending his Spirit. Let us thank him for taking our beating. Let us thank him for taking our cross. Let us thank him for shedding his blood to cover our sin. But let us thank him for his Holy Spirit that empowers us to come into right relationship with him. If you're here today, as we, as we um, move to communion, and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, or, or you've walked away from Christ and, and you want to recommit, this is a perfect opportunity. As you take communion just Jesus forgive me of my sin come be Lord of my life it's that simple and then the Holy Spirit comes in the old is gone the new has come and he starts producing what is it? love joy, peace patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self control And then he gives you a desire. You know what? I'm going to nail these passions to the cross. I'm going to nail these works to the cross. He gives you that desire because he's with you.